to another episode of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. So in this episode, I thought I would do a bit of a recap show. It's been a while since I've done one. And specifically because I attended the BC Pinot Noir celebration recently. And also a small winemaker's convention that they call Garagiste North. And basically in that in that one it's producing two thousand cases or less. And it's a lot of the a lot of the small winemakers in the Okanagan and in the BC wine industry and some of them are side labels. They actually are the head winemakers for other wineries. And this is their own side project. So the BC Pinot Noir celebration, just a fun event. I got to hang out with uh, my good friends from Kitsch Wines. Actually stayed with Grant from uh, Kitsch Wines, the winemaker, on the property. And if you guys recall, he was on an earlier episode. The Grant Biggs episode is actually part one, part two. And we actually also hung out with Katie Truscott, who is the tasting room manager at Kitsch Wines. And she was actually on a podcast as well. So we hung out at the BC Pinot Noir celebration. The guest speaker was Madeline Puckett from Wine Folly. Almost all the main Pinot Noir producing wineries in BC were there from Vancouver Island, from the Okanagan, from the Smilkameen Valley. Great representation of how good BC Pinot is. Later on, I actually have a few sound bites from my time at the Garages North Wine Festival with uh, a few of the smaller winemakers. I have a few sound bites from them. I'll go into that in a few minutes. But uh, as far as BC Pinot, there was a couple I'd never tried before and never had a chance to try, so that was great. Uh, for example, there's one called TH Wines, and uh, his Pinot was amazing. And that is uh, Tyler Halton. And Tyler is actually in Summerland. Great Pinot. Chris Carson from uh, Carson Wines. He actually is the head winemaker at Meyer Family Vineyard. And Meyer Family Vineyard, on their own, makes a great Pinot. They were there as well at the, at the, at the Pinot celebration. Chris was also pouring his own, uh, his own wines as well, so that was great. My friends from Hatch Wines were there from their Pinot Vineyards, which was called, it's called Black Swift Vineyards. And I was hanging out quite a bit with Jason Parks, who's the head winemaker. And we're actually going to finally get to have a chat. I think I'm going to go back up to Kelowna in uh, probably in September, maybe late September. So we should be able to get a nice chat in as well. Uh, and then uh, there was one called Lightning Rock, which was also really good. And that uh, is uh, Jordan Kubek, who's the uh, main winemaker. Jordan actually runs it with her husband, Tyler Knight. He actually, he's from Summerland as well, actually. And he was actually at the Garage East North Festival, so I actually chatted with him from one of the little sound bites you'll hear in a few minutes. Finally, one of the other great ones was from Okanagan Falls, or as we call it, uh, OK Falls. Uh, and that was uh, Kira LaFranc, and she works at Stags Hollow. One of the nicest things I would say about a lot of these winemakers and a lot of their teams is very, they're very young and they're very. They're up, uh, this great up-and-coming group of winemakers. I mean, Kira herself is very young, probably, you know, early 20s. A lot of these groups are, say, in their early 20s and late 20s and early 30s. So there's a lot of young up-and-coming winemakers on the scene that uh, 
we can enjoy for the for you know for decades to come so uh, what i also wanted to do is just i had a few little sound bites to throw in from my chats with uh with some of the winemakers at the garage east north wine festival so the first one is with anthony buchanan and anthony is the head winemaker at desert hills and he also has his own side project called anthony buchanan and it's funny because i got there a little early and they were still setting up and i thought oh great this is a chance to chat with him and at the time as you'll hear he was still trying to set up his umbrella unfortunately it wasn't working very well so he was literally having to hold it until they were able to get him a tent to put over because it was quite hot and it was a very sunny day so they all had little uh, little tents up to um to showcase their wine sprinkled kind of throughout the the vineyards they were actually at spurling vineyards in uh, east Kelowna, and uh, we were chatting so he was literally holding up an umbrella at the time let's get right into it so yes this is awkward <laughs> as, I'm holding, as you're holding the umbrella up. umbrella or at least it's the GRG, right, right? It's, it's literally everything is all you do it all do it all hold the hold the umbrella everything hold the umbrella that's funny i mean you're being well received i would say beyond just desert hills as your own kind of you know pet project or side project um i guess you're finding i mean what what are you finding like are you finding your names getting other as your own as your own entity shall we say as opposed to desert hills or yeah i think you know it's I mean? uh, absolutely i think um as the years have gone by like we started this in 2014 so we started with 112 cases but um and then fast forward 2018 we're thousand cases and been very very methodical on on the wines that we're producing and uh, the grapes that i purchased from from really exceptional growers throughout the valley been doing this slowly but i've been doing it kind of methodically and um i think it it's kind of goes hand in hand desert hills too is is sort of helped me and and they've been extremely supportive of of this project so um to answer the question yeah i think it's uh it seems to be going really, really well for me to the point where i mean at some point that's the garage thing where you're too successful um they're gonna be like oh thanks you're, you're making too much now and you're you're that's right you, yeah you, they do cap it at, at 2,000 cases yeah. um our goal for this coming vintage will probably be between 15 and 1800 cases we have some support here we have support now yeah okay where were we i'm not sure <laughs> i honestly don't remember okay. we're talking about you being too big almost oh, yeah. for garages right. and for right. just i mean it's a great community right and and is they kind of call it like the alumni where they've now producing more and they're now kind of getting getting popular enough that they can kind of get out of the garages label kind of thing right so yeah i think it's it's been really good for for nicole and i just to be involved in this this little community it's uh we've met a lot of great tradespeople and, and yeah. some some really good media coverage so it's uh it's definitely been beneficial uh for us to be members of it but we're getting to the point we're probably by the end of next vintage we we probably will be over that 2000 case threshold and right. sadly we won't be able to be a part of this but it's um great community of winemakers and owners and uh it's been a lot of fun the other person i got the chance to chat with was michael mosney uh, michael is a a great example of someone who was following his dreams he lived in slovakia and was a winemaker and had a small small winemaking business over there but he was working for another working for another main label and decided to 
move to Canada and fall in love with the Okanagan and pursue his dreams over here. His label is called Winemaker's Cut, and it's a reference to only the best make the cut for his label. And he's also very interesting in the sense that he plays classical music throughout his cellar and throughout the, uh, the vineyards. And he really feels that this adds a certain level of response. So this is our conversation at the Garage East North Wine Festival. Perfect, I do like it. Yeah, so nice. So like a, it's a Syrah like on the edge, I would say, you know. But that's that's the kind of winemaking we like, uh, you know, because then the wine can show definitely more character than cool. just than just regular uh, wine made and conventional conventional methods. And that's the thing about, I mean, it's that whole like you're talking about a little bit of sulfur and a yep. little bit of intervention when yep. when you need to, and then you're mentioning about the three different oaks as well. Yes. I, I love the I love the winemaker cut idea with the music and mm-hmm. with the just the kind of immersion of all that together. How mm-hmm. how did they how did you kind of decide that was the route that you wanted to go, you know what I mean? Well, we decided to do it back in Slovakia because we like classical music. Uh, naturally, I used to be a, uh, uh, I used to play violins when I was younger. So when I was working in my own vineyard back in Slovakia, I was listening to classical music. And our vineyard was in a region where uh, there were a lot of classical composers uh, around there. It's, it's the corner of countries Slovakia, Czech Republic, Austria and Hungary. Uh, and our neighbor village uh, it was a village where Beethoven used to go. Uh, and there's a rumor that he used to go there to chase girls. And that's where he wrote a very famous uh, masterpiece uh, for Ellis, uh, which is a very, very, fa- very famous like piano masterpiece. Yeah. And because when I was working in the vineyard, and I felt like, oh, it feels good when I'm listening to some kind of opera piece. You know, it was it was more than just work. It was some it was a really experience for me. And then I thought, like, why don't I try to expose the grapes to the same emotions that I'm exposed to? Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically. After the first vintage, we we decided that we will also install speakers in our vineyard and in our cellar, and I felt the difference in wine and in the grapes immediately. I, I noticed that uh, uh, the you know the canopy is growing more faster, uh, the grapes in the cellar are much more balanced. Uh, um, maybe some people think that I'm crazy, but you know uh, I believe that wine should be something else than just a drink with some flavors and some 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 textures. It should also bring you some more into your life uh, uh, and I like to compare it also to uh, for example to a situation like when you go to a big grocery store you buy for example an apple it always tastes different than an apple that you grow by yourself right. or by a local farmer because like if you grow it by yourself you are really every day you are looking at, at this apple tree and you're like well I want it I want it to perform mm-hmm. well, good you know because I want the apples to be good and if you are doing things uh, in your life with this intention then also the result must be completely mm-hmm. different and that's also the whole idea like, behind wine, where you have art and you have history yes. and culture and all those yeah. things that go into winemaking, go into the history of wine, and it just all ties up so well. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, definitely. So, when did you when did you come from Slovakia? Tell me about that. We came here in two thousand twelve. Uh, we used to run a small uh, boutique, like also garage garageist winery, uh, back in Slovakia. And I also working for the biggest wineries, sparkling winery and brandy producer, uh, over there. 
uh, and it was really hard to combine two jobs daily job and then uh, after our daily job then go back to, to work in a vineyard so we were kind of in um, in a crossroad to decide what should we do and because it was really hard to find uh, more vineyards uh, or buy grapes uh, back in Slovakia we thought about well why don't we you know try something else I, I thought we were still pretty young so we wanted to have some uh, adventure in our life yeah. so we wanted to try to go uh, and make wine uh, somewhere in the world uh, originally our plan was to go to Austria or Germany because we have a lot of uh, winemaker friends over there uh, but then we saw a documentary in TV with Terry David Mulligan and Jason Priestley Hollywood and wine and they were showcasing uh, Okanagan Mel and, and what's funny is that he's right over there yeah, chatting I, with someone as well. I talked to him already. My, my competing, yeah. uh, my rival yeah, yeah, yeah. I, in front of me. I talked to him already in huh. Vancouver Island and it was, it was, it was really, it was, it, it meant a lot to me because nice. like one day you Plus. were watching it on TV, yeah. like, you know, thousands and thousands of kilometers far away. And then the next day you are talking to him. So it was, it was really that's, something. That's, yeah. that's cool. It comes full circle in that sense. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So you're garage style over there as well? Yes, well, a lot of wineries over there are kind of garage style. Yeah. Uh, so you have a village with a lot of winemakers making wine in their cellar, in their garage, and then they are selling it to public. Uh, it's, some, it's a little bit different than over here. Here is more, I, I see that, actually I see it almost everywhere in the world now, that it's starting to be kind of a business, right. uh, which it's a kind of a shame. Uh, so that's why I try to change it. Also, also with all the fellows winemakers over here, yeah. to do something where we put our passion, our heart into it. Was and it's always been very minimal intervention. Very always, yeah, yeah. always that, that style. I was brought up to make wine just with whatever you have in a cellar. Uh, of course, we are in the 21st century, so I would love to use some inventions that were made, but not too many, of course. Uh, you know, wild fermentations are, it's, it's such, a, such an easy term to say that wine was fermented wild, but it's so much stress and so much work in, in the cellar uh, when the wine is fermenting. So yeah, we, are, we introduced also some like organic yeast to our fermentation, like to our rosé, but, but basically all the other wines are fermented without any uh, yeast additions. I like to filter my wines because I want to make sure when I present them to customers they're nice and clear. Uh, and the only finding agents we are using is bentonite, which is a, basically clay that is removing uh, proteins turned wine cloudy, uh, and that's all what we do with our wines. Yeah, I, I really hate that term where people say, oh, it, you know, it makes itself, you know. Yeah. Well, no, there's there's intervention yeah. at, at some points. It's not picking itself, it's not. It, there's so many stages along, yeah. or along the path that, yeah. that a winemaker has to make decisions. So it, you know, it's like it's like a, I, I termed uh, it's like cruise control yeah. on a car. You're still you're still grabbing the steering wheel from time to time, even though you're you got the cruise control yeah. going. And so. we can hear airplane above us, yeah. you know. So is what is natural these days, you know. Right. The airplane is like spreading all kinds of stuff around us. Like we have to be very cautious of what we are doing. Yeah. And I want to make a safe product to customers that, that they like it, they can enjoy it. Did you, did you study in Slovakia or where did you study? Uh, I studied back at home in Slovakia, uh, but I, I was brought up to winemaking just because it's in our family tradition. Uh, and then I took some courses also here in, in Canada, okay. also back home in Slovakia. So I don't want to be influenced by a certain school. Uh, wow. I just want to be influenced mostly with the vineyard and getting to know the vineyard. And then, you know, it's much easier to make wine that way. Yeah. I know some people... A lot of people go to UC Davis or they go in, into New Zealand, there's so yeah. many schools down there and yeah. so there's always seem to be trends of where people go to, yeah. to, 
take yeah. courses and stuff. So I I learned that you know uh, when I'm learning, I started learning one of my own mistakes. Uh, I I simply had more connection with the wine with grapes that we are making. So we are trying not to source grapes. We are trying to work with only or our estate vineyard or with uh, growers that I really know that are my friends. And the last little soundbite that I have is my conversation with Tyler Knight. So Tyler is the husband and wife team with Jordan Kubek. They run Lightning Rock. And they were heavily involved with the Okanagan Crush Pad, but then decided to start their own project and pursue their own, get control over their own product. And they formed Lightning Rock. They're out of Summerland, and I got a chance to chat with Tyler at the Garages North Wine Festival. Yourself, Michael Mosney, Anthony Buchanan. There's yeah. a couple of different ones I was like, I want to hit today. And some weren't at the Pinot Fest yesterday, right. but the the Garages one, I knew that they'd be here. So I'm like, okay. So, cool. um, so you're pouring a little different than yesterday. Yeah, so we've they, they only wants to pour four wines, so we brought um, all of our 17s. Nice. So Viognier, Rosé, which we tried yesterday, Pinot, and our Syrah, which just went into bottle. Nice. <clears throat> um, yeah. Tell me, tell me about the Syrah, because I just I just had uh, uh, Michael Mosney's one as well. Nice. Delicious. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's super fun. I mean, you know, Summerland Syrah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of shaking my head when. Um, when we first got the property, but um, it's down on these two terraces at the bottom of the property. That hilltop that we're on is just granite bedrock, right? Like it's just a big boulder. So the, the whole top of the terrace is just exposed rock <clears throat> and it's east facing. So it gets, um, you know, this nice early morning, early afternoon sun and it just heats up and yeah. it just radiates all day. So you get like, typically we're getting lower alcohol wines that are still super ripe. Right. From there, yeah, it's just a really interesting expression. Sorry. Which is interesting because, like, I've, I kind of got into the Shiraz kick for uh, for a last little bit. Yeah. But, like, 15, 16%, and you're like, I want to have more than one glass tonight. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, you're knocking me over. Yeah. And as good as it is, it's it's not, not. I mean, you do want to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of these ones are just, just huge, huge, you know. Yeah. And I mean, you're getting a different flavor profile at right. that, that level of ripeness as well. You know, 17 was a hot year, so it's this one's, I think, 14.2, but uh, 18 was just under 13%. Nice. And it's um, just kind of kind of in line with that, with what I think is going to work. Yeah. How did Lightning Rock come about? Like, how did it? So, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a little family project. I mean, you know, me and my wife have been making wine in Summerland for about 10 years. And it was just time to do something else. I mean, you know, Crush Pad was great. Um, we learned a lot there. We got to work with fruit from yeah. the whole valley, like, well, the province, really. You know, all sorts of different winemaking styles, vessels, like, you name it, we did it. Um, and then we also, they were super good about letting us travel. Right. In the winter times. So, you know, we went to New Zealand, Australia, Chile, South Africa, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and so, yeah, it was, you know, our traveling days were kind of behind us. And it was like, oh, what's next? It was, it was time to you know have full control over right for the amount of work that we're doing it's you, you want to have it actually your your baby yeah <laughs> we'll wander down to the summerland uh 
we can actually hang out and uh, yeah, totally. chat a little longer. Yeah, but, sure. I mean, how? But how did you yourself? Sure. So I, my wife got you, me into winemaking. Yeah. Um, I I studied um, ecology at UBC. Okay. Didn't really work out the way that I thought it was going to. You know, the job prospects weren't. It, it was a lot of like desk jobs, and I was keen to be outdoors, right? Like I would actually do field work. Yeah. So yeah, I was kind of aimless for a little while. Met Jordan, and she was like, "Oh, okay. Well, why don't you come give this a try for a year? You know, you can just do a harvest with us, and then you can go travel." And you know, I hadn't done a lot of traveling, so that sounded really attractive. For sure. And yeah, it was just like the whole thing really spoke to me. You know, it's this this really cyclical lifestyle where it's like you know you're always there's you're always looking forward to the next thing coming, and it comes back around the next year. So you have you know you do only get one chance a year, but right. Yeah, it, it's it's been a really interesting, uh, different flow, I guess, for, for my life. But yeah, I, so I never studied; I just learned on the job. And uh, she she is a trained winemaker. She went nice. to Washington State. Right. Yeah. It seems like there's certain places that everyone seems to gravitate to, like UC Davis or, or like New Zealand, or yeah. there's always places that pe- people seem to work their paths for winemaking and stuff, right? And uh, uh, it's just inter- it's just interesting how there's like the hot spots that. Yeah, totally. Some people go to. Well, and you know, a lot of it, um, as, as much as I love wine and love winemaking, um, wine regions are usually really interesting places to go as well, right? Like, there's lots of fun yeah. stuff to do. It's There's always lots of culture around the whole the whole industry. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's been fun to, like, actually have that chance to get out there and, and experience a lot of that. You know, trying to, and then trying to get something like that going here you know it's it's definitely we've come a long way in the last five years there's been a huge change in the industry um you know a lot more cooperation a lot more <clears throat> people just like cross-pollinating right like sharing ideas mm-hmm. and, and not being super closed off i guess mm-hmm. which has been really cool to see well i always i always say like if it's the classic if one person succeeds <clears throat> if, if if bc wines gets on the map i mean it's so young 100 yeah it's 30, 40 years old, right? I mean, it's, if, if one winery really starts getting notoriety, everyone everyone kind of, it's like the California days, right, where For sure. one guy makes it, the other the other guys will kind of get that notoriety and, and it just helps. Yeah, it just, it just like helps. It pushes everyone. It yeah. pushes everyone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's certainly a welcoming community, for sure, in the Okanagan. Yeah, it definitely is, especially, you know, lots of the, the small, newer guys. Are, it's, it's a really pretty tight community. Like, we all hang out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when we have a spare moment, which yeah. is not often, but we do get together a few times a year. I think we're going to leave it there for now. Thanks for listening. For more wine conversation and podcast updates, you can follow us on Instagram at Ian's Wine Truths. Check out our website for great photos of our guests, friendsofthevine.podbean.com. Take care. Have a blast for me.